The Lifestylist, episode 122, featuring Diego Perez, aka Young Pueblo. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Since launching this podcast, one of the most common questions I get is, okay, what's the number one piece of biohacking health technology you would recommend if you could only pick one? And it's really tough because I love my sauna, I love my red light therapy, my juve, all of that. But if I had to pick one thing in terms of its widespread application, I would pick the amp coil. Now, if you listened to episode 98 back in the day with the Amp Coil founders, you already know what I'm talking about. But this is a machine with a lot of potential, and it's based on a lot of different alternative healing devices that I've played with over the years before there was even a word for it. You know, we didn't call it biohacking, it's just like health devices that you'd find. And so they've combined five of the most powerful technologies together in the Amp Coil so bioresonance, biofeedback. Tesla technology, PEMF, and sound and vibration. So this is a really powerful device. Its applications are seemingly endless. I use it a lot for the spiritual, emotional, and mental benefits, but it also has insane healing and detoxing capacities in terms of microbes, metals, toxins, things like that. So it's just a really powerful biofeedback device. So check it out at ampcoil.com. That's ampcoil.com. Really, really fascinating stuff. Today's show is backed up by foursigmatic.com. These guys are doing some amazing stuff. Now, you know I'm really into their medicinal mushroom extracts. I talk about them all the time. I use them literally every day. I'm not even playing. But now they've got some other really cool things. They've got a green coffee bean extract. They have a brain stack, a sleep stack. They've got a couple other mushroom-infused coffee mixes. They've got a matcha tea with lion's mane. A lot of really potent, organic, super chronic, super food, and herbal blend. So I want you to get over to foursigmatic.com and enter the code LUKESTORY to save 15% off. That's foursigmatic.com. Using the code LUKESTORY saves you a whopping potent 15% off. You, my friend, have entered the Lifestylist Zone. Welcome aboard the mothership. My name is Luke Story. I'm here to take you on a ride with our guest today, Diego Perez, better known as Young Pueblo. But before we get into that, I want to inform you about a couple exciting announcements. First off is my next event on February 15th in Venice, California at Yog Talks. For more info on this event, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash events. It's $9 in advance, $11 at the door. That's February 15th, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. in Venice, California. And that date, I just actually noticed today, happens to be the 21st anniversary of my sobriety. So it's going to be a special night. Me and a few other guys are going to be on a panel talking about how to age gracefully as a man and live a conscious life based on integrity. It's going to be a great event come hang out with me there. I'd also like to invite you to join my newsletter so every week I can email you all of the show notes and clickable links from each and every podcast episode. You know when you're listening to my show or any other show and you're like, oh damn, what did they say? I need to write that down. No dog, you don't need to write it down. You just need to join the newsletter. Here's what you do. If you're in the US and you have a phone, text the word lifestylist to the number 44222. So the number you're going to text to is 44222. The word you put in the body of the text is one word, all lowercase, lifestylist. Text the word lifestylist to 44222 on any US phone and you'll be prompted to enter your email and you will magically receive my fantastic newsletter every week. Now, if you don't have a US phone or you want to do this on the internet, go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter and enter your name and email. It's that easy. Okay, so before I tell you about what we're going to get into in this here episode, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to this podcast 
podcast by clicking subscribe on whatever you're listening to it on so that you don't miss next week's episode number 123 with Dr. Jane Goldberg. This next episode is actually a double header next Tuesday and Friday, and it is insane. Jane has been uh, biohacking for, God, I don't know, 30 years or something. She is an OG uh, based in New York City, and it's a fascinating interview. So I want to make sure you don't miss that. So subscribe to the show, and it will automatically appear right in front of your very eyes on your podcast app. All right, so let's jump into this episode with Diego Perez, who's a meditator, writer, and speaker. On Instagram and various social media networks, he writes under the pen name Young Pueblo. His first book is sitting on my coffee table right now. I'm about to dig into it, and it's called Inward, and it was released in late 2017. So in this episode, we sit down in a flat I was staying in in New York City, and we really take a very deep and focused dive into the process of the 10-day Vipassana meditation retreats. So this will really be the second episode that I've ever done that focuses primarily on the Buddhist teachings. We had one a while back with Sharon Salzberg, of course, which was fantastic. But this one really dives into the meditation retreats and uh, Young Pueblo is a veteran of many retreats. And we talk about that whole process and how that has literally transformed his entire life. We go into the roots of his uh, upbringing in Ecuador, and he moved to the States and what really led him to get into spirituality, start doing these retreats, experience this fantastic transformation, and then become a thought leader and spiritual teacher as he is now. So I'm really excited to bring you another episode that is very spiritual, but also very practical. So if you're someone who wants to go out and lead a normal life and not necessarily live in a cave in the Himalayas, but you also have a desire to learn about meditation and how to apply some of these spiritual principles in your life, this episode is going to be a game changer. So tune in until the end. And let's give a round of applause for our guest, Diego Perez, a.k.a. Young Pueblo. Welcome to The Lifestylist, Diego. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Luke. I'm really excited to be here. I'm stoked. It's really an honor. Thank you so much. It's an honor for me, too. Audience, we spoke together at this event in New York City the other night called Whitma Live, and uh, there was a lot of fabulous people there. I've interviewed a couple of them already, I've seen, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's just been an amazing trip of meeting such brilliant people. I'm really glad we're able to connect, dude, so thanks for coming by. Yeah, thank you so much. It's nice going from Whitma to this, and... You know, just getting to chop it up a lot deeper. Awesome, dude. And yeah. deeper we are going to go, my friend. <laughs> so the first thing I want to ask you is your, uh, what do they call it? A pseudonym. You know, the, your Instagram name is Young Pueblo. And on yep. Facebook, you're Young Pueblo. And your Instagram has like a massive following. And you have all of these, rather than like selfies of you, like at the gym right, and shit like that. that yeah. And pictures of some spaghetti with an ugly flash <laughs> and shit. You have really profound yet simple quotes. Just endless profundities that you've released onto the world so what is your brand i guess if you could even call it that young pueblo and why is it called that oh totally um so that's a question that i get a lot and um i think i picked the name for two main reasons one is that it really reminds me of home so i was originally born in ecuador in guayaquil ecuador and um, there the word pueblo is most often used in reference to the masses of people particularly economically impoverished people and those are my roots that's where i come from my parents came from you know, just like the hood, like it was really, you know, very poor. And uh, we moved over to the United States when I was about four or five years old. And I like to remember that, you know, so whenever I see the word Pueblo, it reminds me of where I came from. And the second part is a little more abstract. It's that when I see the word young Pueblo, I used to do a lot of work in activism and particularly around youth work. And we would always talk about young people and Young Pueblo literally translates into young people, but as I've been learning and meditating, I've come to understand that humanity as a whole, we're young, and we're definitely in a stage where we're going to do a lot of growing, particularly over these next hundred years, so I really see all of humanity as uh, as a young people, and we're just going to grow a lot, so I like when I put the name up and I like, you know, write what I write, and then I, underneath I write Young Pueblo, it's um, almost as, uh, you know, always keeping it humble and like, you know, it's not necessarily about me and my ideas, but trying to be more of a fountainhead for just like all this growth that's happening because it's happening inside of me, you know, as an individual, but it's, I'm seeing it happen in so many, so many people. So, Dude, it's bananas, right? Yeah. No, it's a really special time that we live in. and It really is. I appreciate that perspective too, because I think right now a lot of people, I mean, like any time in history, there's a certain mindset of people or consciousness of people that 
focus on what's wrong. You right. Know? And some people would say right now we're in, you know, a really dark time. There's all these terrorist attacks and there's this political upheaval in Venezuela and all this shit. It's not that I don't pay attention to that, but <laughs> what I see is like this renaissance yeah. that's happening, especially here in New York. It's like crazy, dude. Totally. The amount of conscious people here. Yeah. And there is this wave going on it's almost like the 60s with less drugs you know no and it's, it's <laughs> you know really and it's really happening all over the world it's um it's quite astonishing and I'm, I'm lucky to be able to you know have such a big audience so i get to really see how it's happening even in these like tiny southern towns and like it's really just so much bigger than what's happening in new york city in particular but just tremendous what's happening and it's not even just in the western world but all over people are going more from just you know um being a part culturally to these like very profound spiritual practices, but actually actively initiating them, using them and like self-actualizing themselves in a very deep, profound way that wasn't as grand and vast before. Like, like I'm going to tell you later, like how I practice Vipassana meditation. And since 1954, there's been a tremendous growth. There's probably like 80 Vipassana meditation centers in India and like all over the world. There's probably about 140,000 people who meditate Vipassana a year and take these like really hard 10 day courses. And that, you know, wasn't around 30 years ago, but people are really trying to do the work and it's happening all over the world. Yeah, it's fantastic. I noticed that on social media too. I have one uh, listener of the show that DMs me on Instagram and she yeah. lives outside of Mexico City and she's like into Kundalini yoga and yeah, yeah, yoga yeah. and meditating and yeah. just commented on the last one. I was interviewing uh, Chris Chen, who's an acupuncturist and he's really into Qigong and stuff. Fantastic. And she was commenting like, oh, Qigong's dope. I do it all the time. I'm like, really? Outside of, you know, an hour out of Mexico City? It's like, yeah. cool. It's, That's yeah. so dope. I you know. know? So it's, it's really cool. It's a really fantastic time. And uh, yeah, I just, I love what you're doing and the scene that's being created. It's just very, very cool. And also for me, I think I'm 46 and I don't consider myself an elder, but I mean, I meet people in their twenties that are, you know, leading huge meditation groups and, are, yeah, you yeah. know, you look like a, a younger guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's I'm like, uh, 29. Yeah, that's dude, it's like, body is. what the hell, man? <laughs> it's like, dude, that is so encouraging, oh, especially yeah, to man, see the, the younger the age, people. The age of the body is nothing, man. It's all about like how well developed your consciousness is. You know, yeah. if you're taking wisdom seriously, then you're going to evolve a lot. You know, you're going to evolve quickly. So what's your path? How'd you get into the whole Vipassana scene? And I'm, I'm really stoked, by the way, to have you because like acupuncture earlier today, the yeah. Vipassana path and really anything related to Buddhism, I have not talked about with anyone at all. So oh, cool. we're kind of on virgin ears oh, here yeah. on the Lifestylist podcast. So oh, cool. I'm yeah, excited. I'd love to go into it. It's also a path that I've not explored much, okay. weirdly enough, because I've explored a lot. Yeah. How did you find that path and was it spurned by abject pain and self-destruction or were you just <laughs> already a happy person that was just curious about becoming happy no way i was a hot mess so this was back i think in early 2012 a buddy of mine was traveling in india this is someone that i went to college with and totally someone that's one of my best friends still to this day but we were just a mess together me and, and our group of friends and we would you know party so much and do tons of drugs together and just um you know really take pleasure to a very serious level and, <laughs> well <put. laughs> and, um, like and it was so miserable you know like so so miserable and i quickly fell out of that because i just you know my body literally couldn't handle it anymore like one time i just um like we spoke about at whitma you know my body at one point just kind of came to this screeching halt where i literally almost od'd on cocaine and at that moment i really you know literally on the floor like crying like begging for my life basically trying to like will myself into life I really saw that I had diverted so much from trying to help a lot of people and just became so self-absorbed in my own misery and my depression because it was really all driven by my depression and um, started realizing that I needed to heal that. I needed to figure out how to do that and just, you know, get rid of all these demons that I had inside me. So I then started healing my body first. I like, stopped using all the hard drugs immediately. And then I started taking in a lot of like high nutritional foods and started working out and just like taking my health more seriously. And then about like six, seven months later, my buddy comes back from this 10 day that he did in India and the same technique taught by SN Goenka. And I had never like, I've known this guy so well. And all he could talk about was love, compassion and goodwill when he came out of it. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, this guy never talks about love, never talks about compassion. You know, goodwill is like the last word out of his mind. And he's a great guy, but this just wasn't his mindset. So to see someone transform so much in 10 days, 
I was like, I need some of that. You know, I don't even know what that is, but I need some. So I immediately signed up and I ended up doing one about like two, three months after he did his or maybe five months after. And the same thing happened, man. It was just like, like a swift punch to the gut, you know, like just such a big purging, like deep purification. It was very difficult to be able to like settle my mind down or, and just like, you know, meditate for 10 hours a day for 10 days straight, you know, without any pausing and to be able to handle that type of deep mental purification and not really understand the mechanics of it. You know, now that I understand the mechanics of it, it feels like it's a lot more, you know, when it gets difficult, I understand, you know, the impermanence of it, that this will pass, that it's actually really helpful that it's becoming difficult. But the first time around was pretty hard. And that was back in the July, 2012. And since then I've done about like two handfuls of those 10 day meditation courses. I did a a 20-day one back in March, uh, which was really powerful. And I'll possibly do a 30-day in January. So Damn, son, just, that's trying hardcore, go, just, trying to, just trying to go deep, man. I you love know? it. I love it. Yeah. So was your first one in India or here in the States? I actually did it out in Washington. So that's the beautiful thing about the organization that SN Goenka set up was that it's the same exact technique, the same teaching, and it's all over the world. There's literally, there's about 10, 11 meditation centers in the United States. And each center will have about like, two 10-day courses a month and you know you could just go from here to like all the way to japan to australia to anywhere in europe you could just get the same technique and it's totally for free which is a beautiful thing it's what? like that was my next question I was yeah. how much does it cost um so like as as our teacher likes to say pure dhamma is given for free that's how the buddha wanted it to be done and they just accept donations so there have been times where i've had very little money and I've like paid either nothing, like one time I paid $24 and nobody even batted an eye, you know, like nobody could, they could care less. They wanted more so if you are going to donate for you to have that proper volition to like support the growth and healing of future students. And, um, but you know, as time, so like some people who have a lot more material wealth, they can pay a lot more and others don't. So like it really kind of balances out so that we're able to have these centers and and they're beautiful too they're like i've heard that what what are the ones that are closest to la do you happen to know yeah there's three of them there's one in um uh fort like uh i forget the names i mean i haven't been to them but there's three of them and they're all very beautiful and um one's in joshua tree i think and okay because someone was um, telling me recently like oh you got to go to this one it's really beautiful but it's funny because i would be interested in doing that and i'm sure probably will explore it but it was one of those things that just assumed in my head. I was like, oh, it's probably three or four grand, you know, or something like that. Because totally, I went totally. to I went to a twenty one day a silent retreat in India yeah. once at this place called Golden City, and it was like five or six thousand dollars, you know. Yeah. yeah, dude. Plus all of the travel. I know, my God. And it was kind of like somewhat less integrous endeavor because there was it was sort of positioned as if the guru or the dasas there could sort of imbue you with enlightenment. So it was almost like selling enlightenment because there was like people that had gone through this thing and they came out and were like enlightened beings and all this stuff. Yeah, so now I'm not going to say it. I don't want to disparage it as saying it was all bullshit, but there definitely was an element of like, profit you know oh, what I'm saying? Wow, that's in really kind of, interesting in a little bit of a trippy way you know yeah, so I, always, I wouldn't say yeah. that i'm skeptical but i definitely like notice if there's yeah. if, if, if someone is charging like an exorbitant amount of Ex- cash for a program like that i'm like yeah take a second glance that's real, some know? that's something that i talk about with my friends i'm always like you know be weary of neoliberal spiritualism is what i call it and it's like the making of massive profits through all these like spiritual you know like people selling little bundles of sage that would be like three bucks for like 45 bucks you know it's like it's like come on like don't do that if you live in la man you can just drive to the hot springs like in ojai and pick a bunch of sage no totally so run me through the mechanics of vipassana retreat like what happens day one you check in they give you a little room like give me give me the you know the story of how that works because i think it's fascinating it's 10 days and they're 10 hour days you wake up at about like 4 or 15 in the morning i'm out and (laughs) (laughs) end of podcast (laughs) not gonna happen (laughs) yeah it seems a little daunting i mean when i first Uh, signed up i was a little weary of it but it's totally doable i think most people who you know, when they hear about it and it gets them a little like, they're like, well, you know, I could do that. It sounds difficult. They, it's a pretty high success rate, I would say, around for new students, around like a 90% success rate from what I've oh, seen personally. Totally, man. I mean, like in um, LA, you go to Yoga West and do sadhana, that's at three in the morning. No, totally. You know, I've done that totally. a few times and it's like, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. No, and especially when you're doing working in groups like that, 
everyone just gets stronger. It's really amazing, especially when you take your purification seriously in these like collective units. And it's the same thing when you, you know, you're working for a company and you work with a bunch of really experienced people, you know, you get the job done faster. It's the same thing when you're meditating, you know, you're working together and then you're just like purifying at such a higher, faster rate, which is really cool. But back to the setup, it's very straightforward. I mean, we spend three days sort of learning this technique called Anapana, which helps us really build the concentration of the mind to really like focus our mind. And it's really interesting and very humbling because, you know, the goal is essentially to try to be able to observe your breath without any type of interruption for one minute. Very serious, honest observation of the breath for a minute. And then it's extraordinarily difficult. And then you see how wild your mind is. And after that, they give you the Vipassana technique and you start doing the real purification work, which is where the the real magic happens. And essentially all these different patterns that you have, you know, if you think about your past and your emotional history, even if you might have not led a particularly difficult life, you know, there were still definitely moments where you've experienced such intense emotions that whenever this happens, they actually become ingrained in the subconscious, they leave their mark, and they actually affect your present behavior. So it's particularly interesting because, um, you know, people may think to themselves, oh, like, you know, I'm not hurting people, and I don't particularly need healing. But if you've lived life, and you've had tough moments, then you definitely need healing, because it's all kind of clogged up in the subconscious, and it affects your behavior. So when you do the Vipassana, it really sort of you know, loosens up that layer between the conscious and the subconscious and you just start purifying like crazy and um, you just really feel the release of it all. And at the end of the 10 days, you just feel dramatically lighter in a very beautiful way where, you know, you might have not lost weight, but you just feel so much lighter. And um, that's why people, you know, turn around and they donate the support because it's um, such a powerful technique that, you know, you want to share it with other people. How many people you share a, a dorm room with? Depends on the center. I mean, usually like one other person or ideally a center will have one room for every student. Oh, that's, and, that, um, that's what's up. Yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cozy. <laughs> that's the thing with some of those like spiritual retreats and shit. I'm like, I've had situations where it was like donation only or something yeah, like that. And yeah. I'm like, well, I don't have much money at the time. And then I roll in, I'm like, yeah, so I'm going to do the donation plan, but I'll need my own wing. Of the <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, feel like a dick, feel like kind of a hypocrite. Cause I'm like, I want special, like rich person accommodations, but I'm pretending like I'm really poor. Um, okay. So I like where you're going with that though. If this is part of the Buddhism viewpoint or worldview that you have these various forms of trauma that you've taken on just from living a human life yeah. and that those get lodged in the subconscious and then eventually start to emerge in ways that are perhaps inappropriate or develop into some sort of neurosis or depression exactly. or anxiety or something exactly. like that. And that's it's trippy because that's very much in alignment with certain teachings in terms of the psychoanalytical world. Like you right. could, I mean, right. that's like, I don't know if it's Freud or Jung or whoever, but I mean, that's kind of the basic idea on that end of the spectrum too. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, when pharmaceutical psychiatric drugs came in the picture, then it was like, well, let's just not still not deal with that stuff. And let's just treat the symptoms, right, the manifestation right. of that stuff that hasn't been dealt with. So it's mm-hmm. just an interesting correlation. And, and furthermore, <laughs> uh, I am becoming more and more of the view. And I want to see if you share the sentiment that even if you weren't like beaten or molested or divorced parents yelling at each other, whatever, right, like right. acute trauma that, Almost every person has experienced some degree of trauma, even if it was more subtle in the form of like being the golden child in your family and having these expectations to be a good student or an athlete, or you were the middle child and you were kind of ignored. I'm finding people that have had much more subtle forms that were experienced as trauma, even though they weren't, you know, violently expressed. I'm glad. I totally agree. I'm glad you're saying that because oftentimes I feel myself having to explain to people who they say, well, like, you know, I'm a pretty calm, pretty happy person. You know, I don't know why I would need to meditate. But it's like, well, if there's craving in your mind, then that means that there will also be misery. And if you've experienced misery, then that means that over time you've accumulated different knots of old emotions and they're affecting you to this day. So if you think you're pretty calm, then there are probably higher heights of calmness that you could reach if you actually did the self. Or if you think you're a generally happy person, there's a deeper happiness that you could reach, you know? So if you think about yourself and sort of the space that you have and of for your emotions, you know, they could expand much more and be much lighter or be you'd be able to enjoy life much more deeply if you actually did the inner work that would help you release all of these things yeah you mentioned something in there too that 
seems to be a reoccurring theme in Buddhism, and that is, well, there's the obvious one of attachment, and I want to start to talk about that too, but is that desire, that wantingness, you know? And that was, from the Judeo-Christian perspective, you could sort of call that lust, right? Because I think lust had to do with sex or something. You're like a pervert. You're lusting after things. But no, it's like lusting after a career or a position or a house or anything and getting caught in our desires from that, I guess, sort of lower state of consciousness. So is what you're saying that trauma can then later manifest in a feeling of dissatisfaction and discontent that makes a person more prone to getting caught up in that constant craving and wanting from outside. I think so. I wrote something the other day. Um, wanting always interrupts being. And literally when you're... <laughs> that's dope, when you're See, in, that's what I'm saying. Is that on your Instagram? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was that's surprised a lot of people like that one. It really yeah. hit, it hit well. Yeah. Um, you have a, what, what's your following right now on Insta? It's like uh, somewhere around 82,000. That's awesome. That's such a great sign. Yeah. You know, it's like you're not posting pictures of like your hand with the Rolex with like the fucking Rolls Royce. You know what I mean? Like, not there's anything wrong with the materialism, but sometimes those accounts like really have the biggest following. No, totally. Totally totally. celebrity and materialistically driven. So it's, it's refreshing that yours doesn't give you any stimuli other than like spirit truths that yeah. a certain type of person at a certain level of awareness is going to enjoy so no totally and it's been amazing just seeing how far it's expanded to you know that have so many people who are christian who are muslims who are buddhist not buddhist who are atheists who will read my work and get something out of it and i think that's really cool because i feel like spirituality and the different traditions that they come from are obviously very important they should be respected but we need to understand spirituality in a much more 21st century sense where it's not so much that this is my life and this is spirituality, but spirituality is life. Like you should know how to use your mind. You should know how the mechanics of your mind affect your daily life. You know, you shouldn't necessarily try to just live this sort of external, like chasing reality where you're constantly trying to accrue different material things and be deluded into believing that that's going to give you happiness. No, Wait, like, that d- doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you like truly want to, you know, be happy or at least be content or at least have some sense of calmness and not deal with so much anxiety, then you should understand how to use your mind and you should pick up a practice that has benefited people in the past, something that meets you where you're at. And I always tell people, you should really try to find something like, you know, something is for you is if it challenges you, but it doesn't overwhelm you. If it overwhelms you and knocks you on your butt, then you might not be able to get up. So you'll find what's meant for you if it's truly challenging, but you can handle it. You know, that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to still go into the thread about the desire stuff. Yeah, yeah, let's play. Yeah, let's talk about that a bit more because I think this is one of those, there's subtle, I don't want to, I don't know what to call them, like defects of character, personality quirks, or manifestations of neurosis, whatever you want to say it, that are somewhat more acceptable in our culture. Right. And, <laughs> and, and also, like, like to the see. coffee, the coffee addiction. Yeah, <laughs> guilty. Uh, very much so. But within myself, as I started doing work, like the first obvious thing was like, I need to stop hating other people. Yeah. Because I literally yeah. sit there and fantasize about like putting a neck in somebody's eye. I mean, a, a, <laughs> knife, in, a knife in someone's neck. I'm getting my anatomy confused. I want to fucking stab them everywhere. But uh, dude, when I was first sober, I was a waiter. I was 26 years old. I had so much self-hatred and so much oh, other my hatred. Goodness. I mean, yeah. I would be waiting on people and they'd be rude to me or so I perceived them to be. And I'd be standing behind them. And I guess I shouldn't even say this on a podcast, but whatever. It was a long time ago, 20 years ago. And I'd sit there and just be like, oh, you motherfucker. I would just like think about just taking a knife and just fucking putting it through their head. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and that was the normal way of and it's cra- yeah, that. I mean, it's, that's just. It's I, funny because a lot of people think like but that. I, 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 was, I, I wasn't even like, thing, oh my yeah. God, I'm a bad person. I shouldn't think that. I was just like, fuck them. Right. Like it didn't even cross my mind that not that I would ever do it. I've never been a violent person to anyone other than myself uh, unfortunately or fortunately but you know that's the level of consciousness i was at at the time so yeah. then as i started to learn wow you could you know someone told me luke you could be a lot happier yeah if yeah. you didn't want to murder people you know and have road rage and all that stuff so there's the low-hanging fruit of the stuff we deal with which is like the anger and maybe living in constant fear and you can't stay in the present yeah. moment you're in the future but then there's those more subtle ones that are buried a little bit deeper that is like that one of desire right because we're indoctrinated into a culture that in order to achieve quote unquote success like you have to want something in order to go get it and Mm -hmm. then 
that misconception, as you stated, that once you get it, then I will have arrived. Right. So it's one of those subtle, like sneaky ones that's hard to ferret out because you can be in that state of wanting all the time and not necessarily have the awareness of it. So what do you what do you think about that? That I, one and any of what are yeah. some other subtle ones that you've observed that come up when you deal with like those the big glaring obvious ones? Totally. I think um, at the root of a lot of emotions, like one I, from what I've been observing when I meditate, it's that. You know, a lot of emotions or what we consider to be emotions are ego responses. You know, that anger you felt to the individual who wasn't very kind to you and you wanting to harm them, it was because they didn't treat your ego properly the way your ego wanted to be treated, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? And and it's funny because at the root of all these emotions that we're feeling, and not necessarily all of them, because love and compassion sort of stand on their own, um, which is one thing I want to explain, but at the root of the more difficult, heavier emotions that we feel, there is craving. A lot of people say, you know, it's fear. But if you look under fear, there's actually craving that's motivating that fear or craving that's motivating sadness or craving that's motivating anxiety, you know. And it's really interesting because that's what the Buddha sort of pointed out 2,500 years ago is that craving is the root of misery. And that's the, that's the train that we need to stop. But it's interesting because I would say that the ego of the human being is driven around this idea of craving. And I like to sort of set up the mind in a very simple way where the sun is your consciousness and your ego is this massive amounts of clouds that's written like just completely surrounding the clarity of consciousness and once you start doing your inner work what you're actually doing when you're releasing these patterns and these knots that are tied up in the subconscious you're actually releasing these clouds that are completely blocking the sun and the light that's actually can shine forward and when you start ridding yourself of all of this cloudiness that's in your mind and releasing this ego there's a natural emergence of love and compassion. Totally, you know? When totally. like, people say this, and it sounds like really abstract because you really need to experience it for yourself, but at the root of the universe and at the root of the individual is love and compassion. Even the most like ignorant, vile, what you would consider evil people who are really doing a lot of harm, they just have extraordinarily clouded egos. And if they were to do the self-work to you know stop harming themselves and others, then the same purity will come forward. I love, there's this one story of the Buddha back when he was around and there was this guy, his name was Angulimala and he, our teacher at Sanguenka, you know, this is one of his favorite stories and he always says how this guy killed 999 people and he would like cut off their fingers and wear them as a garland and he would just like walk around with like this like garland of fingers of all these people that he killed and this guy was evil, like he just hurt a lot of people but he was just a very ignorant person and then when the Buddha came across him, he helped him and he started purifying himself so much that in that same life where he killed so many people, he totally redeemed himself and became fully enlightened and liberated. You know, so it really goes to show that even if you're just the hottest of the hot messes, you can totally heal yourself. <laughs> that's awesome. I, lo I love the modern uh, vernacular that we're able to use. I mean, it's cool, dude. That's the thing with all the spirituality. And I think this is where you're tapping into and why people respond to you is you can be a normal person and live in a city and live a modern, normal yeah, kind like of I'm life. Not, like I'm not a hippie dude. I'm <laughs> yeah. just, I'm just like a regular city boy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I like the idea of making it approachable and yeah. back to what you're saying about, you know, it's such a loaded word, but people on my show are used to me saying it, God. I mean, just let me just fucking say it. There's no other way for me to say it. Sure, yeah. It's just the shortest version. <laughs> it's like universe is too long and the other, I don't know, the other ones just are too flighty. But let's just say that one realizes that perhaps they've been unable to provide themselves with a deep level of fulfillment and inner success, mm. right? And so they mm. think, wow, man, I need to become spiritual, so I need to go find God. There must be an answer in God mm. if that's the thing that created me. And God seems to not be present because all of those masks of the ego, as you described, yeah. of clouds, the massive cloud, are in the yeah. way. So it's it's not even that I have to go get something and like get God or get enlightenment. I have to get rid I of all the shit clean. that's blocking. I got to clean. I got to clean. Right. Yeah. So what you're yeah. saying is then the thing that's already been there and has always been there, whether you call it consciousness, universe, God, source, whatever, then it just shines forth because. It, it becomes it, evident. It was never yeah. gone. The right? mind, when the mind is purified, as you purify it, as you go deeper inward, as you really start releasing and letting go of all these things that were really just causing so much tension in your mind and body, the mind becomes so powerful and becomes so clear. Memory becomes so sharp and the amount of solutions and creativity and just the understandings that you're able to gather are just so much deeper than before. And it's actually interesting because... Um, a lot of different meditation techniques and just spiritual paths are sort of, they revolve around the understanding of what God is. 
and Vipassana sort of tries to just put all those questions on hold. And it's like, let's not worry about what the universe is, what God is. Let's just like purify this mind, which I think is um, a really beautiful and powerful stance to take because it's like, listen, like my mind is so impure and so wild that even if I wanted to try to grasp these massive ideas, it wouldn't be able to, or at least not in its totality because my mind just needs a lot of work. And I think that's sort of the real um, power of it because when you go to these uh, Vipassana meditation courses, everyone comes for the technique. No one's converting into Buddhism or anything like that. You know, you literally will have like Muslims, Jews, like Christians, atheists, everyone's taking these courses for the benefit of their mind. And then they leave being the same, whatever type of thing that they align themselves with. Even one time, like I translated in Spanish for this like staunch Catholic nun and she loved the technique. She was just like, this is dope. Like now I can use this to be even a better Catholic, you know? And I was like, great. As long as you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting other people, then we're doing great. You know, that's all I really want from you personally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. to be able to live a life that's free of suffering, because no life yeah. is free of pain, but suffering is really right. my interpretation well said, of yeah. pain. Okay. So yeah. To live a life free of suffering, I've got to disengage, or as you say, cleanse the mind. I've got to disengage from my thought processes and from the ego, right? And I think in a lot of spiritual traditions, maybe even like just think about the concept of sin in Christianity, which to me is just, those are just behaviors that the ego does when right. it's unchecked, right? Exactly. It's just the animal lower nature. That, that ego is demonized and like, pushed back into the shadows and denied and is called evil and is called bad yeah, and wrong. Yeah, yeah. In the tradition that you've been working with in Vipassana, is the ego something that's considered bad or demonized in any way? Or is it something that you make friends with and just build an awareness of so that you have a degree of separation from it? That's a great question. I think ultimately you do strive for the complete cleansing of the ego to like, you know, but at the really, really high levels when you're when you take the idea of enlightenment very seriously and the pursuit of enlightenment. But there was one time I took a course with this gentleman who had been practicing Vipassana for about 30 years, and he was a psychoanalyst. And he said it so beautifully, you know, he said that the purpose of the ego is to stop us from going insane because there's literally so much information coming at us that we need to be able to have some type of mechanism to literally categorize everything, to be able to put certain things on hold and not even worry about them so that we can deal with the immediate needs of like survival and pleasure and like being able to pass your genes forward and, you know, all that more human stuff. So if you think about it, you know, your ego is very necessary and useful in the sense where like, you know, it's stopping me from being crazy because it can just be such an overload of information. But the beautiful thing is when you take these spiritual practices very seriously and something like Vipassana, one of the main goals is to build your equanimity so that when different situations arise, you know, your sort of ability to stop your immediate habit of just reacting impulsively, that sort of falls at bay. And instead, you're able to build your ability to respond, to like take more time to just be like, you know, this is how I want to respond as opposed to just reacting blindly all the time. And when you're able to build that, you know, your economic can become so strong that you don't necessarily need as much ego to take in more and more information. And that's why they say when you're purifying the mind and you're like releasing so much ego, you're able to really understand reality as it is. But to understand reality as it is, is like trying to look at the sun. It's so big, it's so powerful and beautiful that, you know, it takes a lot of strength to be able to look at it without harming yourself. Wow, that's cool. I, I like that perspective a lot. It's like... I've never heard of it from the perspective of like taking on that much information. Oh yeah, dude. If you think but, about it though, right? Like yeah, I mean, so much info, like the temperature, like what I'm doing, my family, you know, all the ideas of culture. It's like just so and much identifying stuff. threats, right? Exactly. It's about survival, identifying yeah. threats in the environment. And yeah. that's where like that comparison comes and someone walks in the room and you're like, Oh shit, that dude yeah. has more money than me. Yeah, I'm yeah. less <laughs> you know, I'm less yeah. than him. Or someone right, kind of weird right. comes in the room oh, and you're no, like, Oh, my, what a loser. I feel status. so much better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that comparison kind of thing is a survival mechanism and then and also just that rapacious taking and wanting yeah, and yeah. getting and getting and getting and one of my teachers used the example of squirrels you know it's like a great oh you know, poor squirrels you, you know yeah. what I'm saying and it's like they're and that's why you call it getting squirrely like they're yeah, yeah. constantly in fight or flight like they're just constantly under I, attack yeah. or they're like 
hoarding shit like mm-hmm. you could throw like fucking 20 pounds of almonds out in central park right. and like a squirrel will come and literally try to take all 20 pounds and stash them in his little burrow yeah. or whatever yeah. you know it's like dude you actually could make it through the winter with half a pound it's totally crazy and that's yeah. like yeah. watching mankind really identify with the ego is the same thing it's like attraction and aversion always trying to protect and then get and hoard right and right. that's why i think it's been helpful for me over time to not demonize my ego but to build kind of a reverence and a respect for it and understand that it has its place yeah totally i mean god is here (laughs) right and this is a pretty cool spot but (laughs) left unchecked totally then you get world wars and dictators miserable and and murderers and rapists and you know people that have no awareness that you can actually observe it and control it one thing that i love bringing up is you know how when we were really small and we were in kindergarten and our teachers try to teach us really simple things like cleaning up after ourselves, not hitting other people, telling the truth, these basic things, right? And then a lot of us kind of learn them as individuals. We grow up and we learn them well. But then if you think about the collective of humanity, we didn't learn these things at all. You know, we don't know how to clean up after ourselves at all. We are constantly hurting each other. So it's interesting how on the individual level, more and more of us are learning how to really not even necessarily like live and act through love, but just at least do their best to not physically harm other people. That's one of the reasons why I use that name, you know, Young Pueblo, because it just, we have so much growing up to do. We need to learn how to be honest, how to not hit each other, how to clean up. But I think we're getting there, hopefully. (laughs) I hope so too. (laughs) I believe we are, little by little. Yeah. Hey, check this out. I recently launched something on my site called The Master Market. It's a super cool store where I've got different categories, whether it be spirituality, mind focus, outdoors, food, superfoods, supplements, bedroom, sleep, office, jet lag, biohacking. There's even a bookstore from some of my favorite books and books recommended by my guests. And what this is, is like a hub where you can go find all of the links to everything I've either used and vetted or I'm currently using in my life to build the ultimate lifestyle. So it's called The Master Market, Luke's Lifestyle List, and you can find it at lukestory.com forward slash store. Just go to my site and you'll see it in the navigation. Now, what's really cool about this is when you make a purchase through my store, I'm not actually selling you anything. I'm just curating a really dope place where you can go find the best stuff. So I get a piece of commission if you make a sale through the site. The vendor, of course, makes some cash because you buy and you get a place where you can go and save time and money from not having to look around for the best stuff and do all the research yourself. But what's even cooler is most of those items come with a custom discount code if you go through my site, which is pretty cool. So it's a win, 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 triple trifecta win. Great way to support my work and the podcast and the show, as well as the brands and your own health and well-being. Check it out. LukeStory.com forward slash store. So back to the Vipassana retreats and stuff. I think people have a misconception oftentimes about the spiritual path Mm. that, oh, wow, going meditating for 10 hours a day. God, that must be so peaceful. And that's got to feel great. You know, (laughs) Have, have you found in that practice and just in your journey in general that there are often times of immense suffering because of what comes up when you slow down enough to allow the floodgates of your subconscious to unload? Totally. I'm really glad you brought that up because there is a massive misconception in Western spirituality or like these new forms of spirituality that people are sort of trying to sell each other. And that's that, you know, if you like do this yoga class, your result will be immediate bliss. Or if you like do these few meditations then your immediate result will be bliss. That's a total misunderstanding of what they're really for. They're for purification. And think about like when you get a cut and you need to clean out a wound, that's going to hurt, right? Or if you need to like pull something out of your skin, you literally need to be able to just clean that so that in the long run, you'll be better off. But in the cleaning of it, it's going to sting a lot. And that's something that I feel like being okay with the idea, like in my practice, we call them internal storms, you know, being okay with when you're going deep within yourself and you're doing a good job, you know, not to think that you're going backwards, but it's actually good that all this stuff is coming up and you're feeling these intense emotions. Like I used to deal so much with sadness, and anxiety. And in my first like three, four retreats that I did, I would just get hit with these like truckloads of sadness. And I'm just like, damn, I'm the saddest boy in the world. You know, like I'm so sad. And it was tough, you know, really tough. But I kept going, you keep meditating. And then, you know, as these big chunks come up, they literally come up, they surface in the mind, you feel them, and then they're released. And then 
when I feel sadness in the future, it's like for such a smaller amount of time for, you know, to a far lesser intensity. Cause like, I'm not perfect. Like I'm not an enlightened being or anything like that, but I have seen the progress. And I feel like that's one of my main points of my mission and my writing is to let people know you can literally heal yourself. Like the mind is highly malleable. And though it may be difficult and there will be times when it gets really stormy when you're actually doing the work in the long run, it's for the better and you'll be a lot better for it. So, you know, watch out for storms, let them happen, you know, like um, honor that space when you feel that intensity and stick to your practice, whatever it may be. You know, I don't try to sell Vipassana to everyone, whoever's interested, you're more than welcome to come. But there are so many amazing practices out there that can really benefit you and help you purify and sort of build your calmness and equanimity and, and general, you know, pleasantry and happiness. When you're in a retreat like that and you've taken this vow of silence and you're mm-hmm. observing that and you're starting to have old traumas and pain and emotions surface, how do you deal with that without the support of being able to say, hey, yo, homie, like that med- <laughs> you know, to your roommate, like that meditation was fucking hardcore. That dude. was like, hard, yeah. I realized like I hate my mom and that, you know, yeah. like. How, how, uh, how does one process we, it without, I guess you're having energetic yeah, support. Is that totally. Kind of? So you definitely feel like you're in a, like a band of brothers and like they sort of, however you identify, if you identify as a man or a woman, you, you meditate with the man or you meditate with the women. You definitely feel this like strong camaraderie, but at the beginning and at the end of it. So the last attempt day, they end noble silence so that we can start speaking and start sort of acclimating and extroverting ourselves to be able to go back on the 11th day to the real world. But you know, you're silent, but you still, there are teachers there who are like amazing teachers who've been like practicing this technique for like 20, 30 years. And so if you ever, you know, need to ask a question or you ever need some type of support, you go to them, you tell them, Hey, like I'm freaking out. Like, what should I do? Uh, And they're like, Hey, you should do X, Y, and Z, you know, very case by case situation. Right. And, you know, I've totally had those moments. I remember one night I just felt so intense. I couldn't sleep at all. And then I go to the teacher and I'm like, hey, like, I can't sleep. Like, I'm freaking out. And he was just like, he just looked at me. He was just like, calm down. He's like, let the impurities out. And this guy was just so powerful. I was just like, okay, I need to calm down. And like, just having another person literally just tell me, calm down. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do, right? (laughs) And like, totally chilled out and like, actually ended up like crying my eyes out, like a few moments later in the bathroom. And after that, just felt like I was a whole new person. I literally felt like I just l- released eons of pain, all these attachments that I've been holding onto for so long. And wow, did I feel so much better. You know, it's not all about like crying. You can do so many releases without necessarily crying. And as you um, grow in it, you can just be much more equanimous towards what you're feeling. So it doesn't have to be like as dramatic. But in that moment, it was really, really powerful. What about the physical component of it? Because to me, the idea of having the opportunity to just sit and meditate for 10 hours a day, like <laughs> that does not sound hard at all. I'm all in. That's all I ever want to do is just chill out, relax, yeah, meditate, yeah. <laughs> go to float tanks, go to yoga. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at just being with myself. Yeah. But what I've heard can be challenging in this practice is the physical posture. Like just sitting here recording, I'm like in a lot of pain just sitting in a chair for yeah. these hours, especially because I've been doing a lot of recording. If I was sitting here and had to stay in a specific posture when I meditate, I could find that to be very challenging. Are there, I don't want to say strict, but I mean, are there like, is part of the practice learning how to sit in a really uncomfortable position and then still maintain the meditation? Or can you just like lean against a wall and just chill and probably yeah. a bunch of cushions or what? Yeah. Like in my meditation in Vedic, part of the tradition is you do lean on something. You lean back oh, yeah? and you, Interesting. Just, you just kick it. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's like the householder's, yeah method right, of meditation right, right. you know yeah. it's not about like the erect spine and like dealing with the discomfort yeah. they actually want you to be as comfortable as possible so that you can transcend your normal waking consciousness so what's the physicality yeah. involved in vipassana so it's interesting you know stillness is sort of a function of mental purity so like as your mind gets more and more pure as you're releasing more the body can become more still if you've never had like a major accident that you've been through and you haven't like hurt your knees or your back, then they're going to be like, do your best to just sit, get some cushions, find a comfortable position and sit. If it, for some reason it doesn't work out, then the teacher will like for older gentlemen or people who've been through accidents, they'll like get them a chair or allow them to sit in the back against to lean. But 90% of the people who take the course are totally sitting in the middle of the meditation hall, all those 10 hours. And 
are just putting in the work and you know it, yeah, it hurts that's hard it hurts work. a lot like we're all householders like sometimes monks come and meditate with us because the technique is good but you know all of us it's like literally like people like me and all vast age ranges to like people who are like eight in their 80s and doctors lawyers all type blue collar white collar everyone there is so very different but we all just you know there's something that happens that when you're like trying at that level and you're putting in the work, you sort of are able to start really building that equanimity. So like, you know, there's going to be tons of pain and, you know, your knees will get tired and it'll start hurting, but you're able to actually then use that pain and being equanimous towards that pain allows for deeper pains, like mental pains to start coming up and actually releasing them. You know, if you're able to really maintain equanimity with it, which is really beautiful. So it's actually very useful to like feel pleasurable things, feel painful things because it'll, it works almost like a magnet. It'll like attract the other pleasures that we've been attached to, attract the other pains that we've been attached to and just purify them. But after like the fourth and fifth day, you know, people are kind of really just like locked in and Every hour you take like five minute breaks and then you sit again for another hour. So you always have, you know, are able to stand up and whatnot. But um, it's amazing, you know, and I, I went in there with no practice whatsoever and I was able to rock it. Not as well as like my second or third time, but um, definitely, you know, you get better at it. Have it's you fine. ever seen anyone in the meditation hall just lose their shit and just run out and like hop yeah. in their car and just bounce? <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. Totally, totally. <laughs> like just imagine maybe someone who's just sort of on the periphery of spirituality. Oh, I'm curious. I'm going to yeah, go to this yeah, thing yeah, and not yeah. really know what's going to happen. <laughs> and then a couple of days in, just be like, I'm fucking out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually glad that I didn't, um, like the one that I went to was just so out of the middle of nowhere in Washington state that I had no way to get back home. Cause I think if I had a car or something, I would have been out like on the sixth day. Cause I was going through some shit and like, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. But like, I checked myself into a rehab once and it was like way in the middle of the woods and I had no car. So literally like I knew if I got there that there was, I would be too weak and sick yeah. from withdrawals yeah, to leave. Yeah. So I knew that I would have to go through, you know, the first few rough days that you go through and it worked, you know, right. I was, like, I was right. so far from like any possibility of getting anything. Yeah. I sequestered myself. And then of course, like the first day I was like, why did I do this? God damn it. You no, know? me too, man. It and was I tough, but it was good. And then on the contrary, have you, you yourself or seen anyone just have like these revelatory enlightenment moments of bliss and laughing like a baby and just, ah, seeing God or any, any dramatic um, displays of spiritual attainment? Nah, I mean, if it's like some dramatics type stuff, then, you know, it's just some other like attachment that's coming up. <laughs> um, you, I've definitely seen people progress very profoundly in the path and the most beautiful things are quiet and very silent and like you know things that are empty are very loud so i've definitely had some friends that have progressed very deeply and they're like totally completely different they're just like awesome people with super powerful minds when was the last one you did the last one i did was i think it was in july and i'm about to bust another one in like two weeks oh, okay that's what i was gonna ask so do you foresee this being something that you'll continue to do for some time in the future oh yeah man i want to get as free as possible you know that yeah. i got i've definitely have healed a lot of problems in my mind and in my own personal situation but i got a lot of work to do you know i i still have so much craving inside me so much like competition so much of these things that just stop me from just being and enjoying this beautiful moment that we're in what are some of the more pesky defects that you're still dealing with that you're having a hard time overcoming um i think fear is one of them like fear of mortality of like the death of my parents or like my beautiful wife that's definitely one of them you know it's like i really i see my attachment to these people that have like nurtured me and care for me and love me so much and that's a tough one you know being like just okay with their existence and not like inventing these like possible things that might happen to them that are just not happening at all. So that's definitely one of them. I think attachment around my own work, just sort of feeling, wanting to do a better job, wanting to like reach more people or wanting to explain myself even more clearly and just being like, okay, just it's okay how it is. And, and it's interesting because the most effective things that I've written have been the things that have just come out the most cleanly, you know, that have just come out clearly and cleanly and I've had to do very little editing and when I release those, they just like pop and then, you know, people really get a lot out of them. So trying to get out of my own way and being okay with the times when I write stuff and it's not that good, it's totally fine. But I need to be able to accept that all the time. And also generally just not having my personal value be determined by what I do and how effective I am at what I do. 
and just understanding that even if I didn't write, you know, even if I had nothing, that I would still have innate value that isn't sort of determined by anything else, you know? Um, yeah, that's a huge one, dude. Yeah, man, because we put our yeah. value in all these external things that we do, you know, oh, especially totally. with like capitalism and the way things have developed up until this time. We think that what we are is what we produce, and that sucks. That's not true at all. You know, you're innately valuable. Like human life is valuable, period. You know, when I was first in the early stages of my awakening, I had a teacher and uh, he was really a simple guy, but a very profoundly wise guy. And we talked a lot about the ego and the mind and all that. And he was the first one that really taught me how to create that separation oh, between nice. me and yeah. that stuff right. where I could actually observe it, yeah. kind of put me in that witness place. Which, of course, I'm constantly, you know, still working on spending more of my days from that perspective, not captured in that. But uh, one, one question he posed to me, which I'll never forget, just in terms of, you know, your career and how people view you in society and your position and all of that stuff. He said, Luke, have you ever thought about what it would be like if you just ended up being a normal person? Mm. with no like distinctions mm -hmm. at all you, know, you don't do anything cool you just have a job and you live in a house somewhere and no one right, knows who right, the fuck right. you are could you just be a regular person and honestly oh, with only a hundred followers like. yeah I mean, or no you know no you don't even know what instagram is right, you, know? right, you, you right. work at walmart and you just yeah. chill you know and it was a terrifying prospect to consider because like when that. he asked yeah. me that, just myself, honestly, I was like, oh, hell no, dude. Oh, me, man. I'm just a normal guy. I mean, it was so, it's like still. I, I love mean, your honesty, man. It was a it's terrifying so prospect to mm -hmm. just, and he didn't even elaborate. He was just like, have you ever thought about what it'd be like to just have a normal life and not be special in any way? And I was like, oh, hell to the no. I am special, goddammit, and if I'm not, I'm going to prove it, you know? <laughs> and, I, you know, and I did things uh, for years, largely motivated by what other people thought. You know, I played music, and I love music. I mean, I have a guitar right there. I love to play, but yeah. I don't really like playing in a band. I don't like going on tour. Mm -hmm. I don't really like recording all that much. Just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like to tell chicks I'm in a band. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just as happy with my musical career now, which is totally non-existent i just play at home and sometimes on instagram than i was when i was like aspiring to be a professional musician and then right. worked in fashion for a long time and yeah don't know that i ever really had that much passion for that i just kind of fell into it i was like well this is cool it's better than being a waiter or whatever i had been but my ego is very much attached to it when i meet someone what do you do oh i'm a stylist whoa cool i'm like, okay i saw i'm worth something you know yeah yeah and then even now if, if you pose that question to me like all right luke could you just let go of your podcast not have a website not like be a brand quote unquote and just be a regular guy i don't think i could yeah at this yeah. point i'm not there i still like want to show the world what I can do in a sense and not necessarily from an unhealthy place always I do have neat stuff that I want to share and there's a, of course a positive but I'll never forget that question man and that's and a I'll, great and one isn't it cool yeah it's a very leveling I was just like oh shit because I already was starting to have a little bit of an awakening but yeah. to think about that level of humility I think that's what he was pointing to was just like can you actually be humble mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. talk about it not read about it but live as a humble person yeah yeah you know but then there's the other side of humility which is celebrating your gifts right not fucking hiding hiding is ego too mm -hmm. so it mm -hmm. goes both ways could you live as just a regular guy and have no worldly distinction at all not have any kind of following or respect and just go uh, you know live in uh phoenix and work at kinko's man <laughs> and to, just chill? to tell you a secret <laughs> to tell you man my secret i feel like that's really one of my goals man i feel like i have a mission like i really want people to understand these very simple things like you can actually heal yourself one that's one the second one is if you heal yourself you heal the world and i feel like those are my two main goals it's like you know very simple but powerful ideas that people are just really trying to understand but to be really honest man i think eventually i do want to sort of wrap up shop and just like get a little house get a garden set up my meditation zone in the back of the crib and just go hard you know and just like live my life and be a good householder and just meditate a ton with my wife and like maybe have some kids or you know who knows but yeah. I, the silent life is becoming much more intriguing than before you is know? your wife on board with all this and was she before you met or did she adopt it because of your influence um no i mean she's a heavy hitter now man she like meditates a lot she's really really powerful but in the past we were both super wild i mean she was a little calmer than i was i was pretty wild and 
you know, we both met at college, we partied together and we're just like crazy together. And then we both came across this Vipassana stuff and we just like, you know, I don't know if you believe in past lives, but like, we just felt it both so deeply. We were like, Hey, this is for us. And we started meditating and, you know, it took a year or two. And then we started really taking it seriously and started meditating every day. And now we're both making good progress, you know. That's awesome. You're very yeah. fortunate to have someone who's in alignment like that. Yeah, man. She's a soldier, man. She's really powerful. She <laughs> like totally keeps me in line. That's yeah. awesome. And so in terms of your career and all the stuff you're doing, do you have like a normal day job or do you do other stuff or do you make a soul a vocation out of no, your totally. teaching I'm, and writing? Right and now stuff? I'm just young Pueblo. Yeah. I decided very deliberately to take time off of, uh, you know, work or like nine to five type work and just develop my craft and develop the message that I want to give to people. And now I'm about to release my book November 9th. And oh, perfect, um, man. yeah, I'm super pumped. I'm going to release it. And, you know, I've been building my sort of ability to speak in public. And like last Saturday, I spoke in front of like 60 to 70 people. And uh, it was fantastic. And just, you know, living this new life, don't really know where it's all going to go. But just, you know, being able to support the people with the messages that are coming through me is is the real goal. Awesome, man. That's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much for finding the time to come sit down with me oh, today. Thank you, man. And this is uh, one of the best conversations I've had. This was fantastic. Great. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, can you imagine? This is my job now. I mean, I have another job too, but this is my second job. No, totally. I could yeah. just sit down and talk about this shit with people. Man, that's the power of social media, yeah, man. Yeah, but that, not yeah. only that, just for my own benefit, but get to share some of these things with, yeah. you know, like literally thousands and thousands of people. Totally. Which is, that's, which is I love so, it, man. so rad. And then I don't have to be just a regular person. Person. yeah no <laughs> you know, no I'm just, like I'm, I'm, I'm halfway getting <laughs> but no it's like it, it actually is it is cool and i'm sure you experienced this too is like you have some degree you know small i mean very small for me degree of notoriety within certain circles and stuff but it's it's for doing something meaningful and cool exactly which, which feels good right, you know right. not that expressing your talent in acting or playing music or doing whatever isn't meaningful but this I feel is really having a positive impact. Exactly. Even though I'm not necessarily doing it for that. It's just what I love doing and I think I'm pretty good at it. Right. And this so, is the stuff that excites me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just literally like my passion, which has sort of become an empty platitude, but it is. And it's just like so fulfilling to get to sit down and talk to people like you. Yeah, man. man. Likewise. I'm excited that even more and more sort of like avenues and like crossroads for these different people and like wellness and whatnot just people who just want to get better and yeah. whatever it is that they you know whatever focus they want to bring into themselves but i think it's amazing you know these platforms are just growing and growing and like podcasts are the new thing that's how people want their information and yeah yeah you know well so, yeah because you don't yeah. have to devote time to it you can multitask and listen yeah. to podcasts that's what i love i mean i got podcasts going all the time dude i'm like i'm in university of life like every day i'm just constantly learning so it's, that's it's awesome. rad so last question is a three-parter who <laughs> have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you and your growth as a human that you would recommend our listeners go check out? So definitely my teacher, S.N. Goenka, he's by far the number one. The Jiddu Krishnamurti, I feel like for the more like modern sort of spiritual people, I think he's like pretty amazing, particularly his final journal. He wrote this journal right before he died, which is like, you know, he wrote so many books and they're like pretty kind of hard to understand, but his final one is the most clear, most like completely encapsulates what he was really trying to give the people. And it's super powerful. I think even just reading that is great. I really love Lao Tzu. I think in particular, the Hua Hu Ching is really important. That's spelled H-U-A space H-U space C-H-I-N-G and specifically translated by Brian Walker. So this is different from the Tao Te Ching or Tao Te Ching that people are much more commonly you know, that they know, but this one, so the Tao Te Ching was made for like as a general understanding that he was giving people, but the Hua Hu Ching was like specifically sort of for his people who are like trying to reach enlightenment and was sort of like a secret book that's now emerged. And Oh, cool. So it, it's sort of like Tao Te Ching 2.0? Yeah, <laughs> it's way deep. It's wow. like, you know, the Hua Hu Ching is super deep. I highly recommend it. And I definitely, yeah, recommend that one to a lot awesome. of people. Awesome. Well, thank you for the recommendations. Clear, concise. Some people have a really hard time with that question. Some people just rattle three off immediately. So thank you for that. Yeah. And then lastly, where can people find your work? Website, social media, any of that oh, stuff you want to totally. share? Oh, totally. The main avenue is definitely on Instagram. So you can check me out at Young Pueblo, which is Y-U-N-G. Just drop the O stylistically. Y-U-N-G 
underscore P-U-E-B-L-O. And you can also find me on Twitter and on Facebook at just Young Pueblo without the underscore. Yeah, you know, cool. I'm out there. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> that's our cue. There's yeah. our next guest. I'll see you next Thank time, Thank you brother. so much, man. Okay, ladies and gents, so that was Young Pueblo. What a cool dude, right? I'm so fortunate to be able to sit down and speak with enlightening human beings like this one on a regular basis. Like, how blessed am I? And I'm also very blessed to have you, yes, you, I'm talking to you, each one of you, as a listener. So thank you so much for joining me on this journey as I continue to learn so much about the nature of human life and consciousness And it brings me great joy to be able to share that experience with each and every one of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Muchas gracias, mi gente. All right, so what's coming up next? I already told you earlier, but in case you missed it, you got to tune in next week for my episode with Dr. Jane Goldberg, the perhaps the most OG female biohacker in the world. Uh, We sat down for, I don't know, two and a half hours or something at her spot, La Casa Spa in uh, Manhattan and just had a ball. So make sure that you subscribe to the show so that you don't miss that. And then I also want to remind you to join the old Luke Story newsletter. This is not a newsletter where I send you a bunch of weird stuff and spam the hell out of you. I'm really just sending you quality content. So anytime I make a new video or release a new podcast or have an event or something cool like that going on, I let you know about it. But perhaps the most valuable thing about my newsletter is this. Each and every show, we drop all of these resources, right? So the guest will mention books or a supplement or some sort of device or a fitness routine or um, the name of a Buddhist retreat center, et cetera, et cetera, on and on, right? You know what I'm talking about when you're listening to the show and it's just information overload. I want you to be able to enjoy the show and just listen and not have to remember anything. I'm going to do the remembering. Actually, I'm going to hire someone to do the remembering and they're going to put every link and everything we talk about from every episode into the newsletter. But here's the thing. If you join the newsletter right now, you're not going to get the episode you just listened to with Young Pueblo because it's already out. So see how that works? However, even though you missed the Young Pueblo notes, you can get the notes for next week's show and every show to follow by simply doing this. Get ready. Text the word lifestylist to the number 44222. That's one word, all lowercase, lifestylist to the number 44222. Now, that only works if you're on a U.S. phone. If you're not on a U.S. phone, just go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and I promise to send you the most badass resources every single week. So text the word lifestylist to 44222 or go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Okay, that's it. We are done. I'll catch you next week with Dr. Jane Goldberg. Blessings to you and yours. I'd like to take a moment to, again, thank today's sponsor, Four Sigmatic, and remind you to go to foursigmatic.com and enter the code THELIFESTYLIST to save 15% off the world's most chronic herbal and medicinal mushroom elixir blends. I would, again, check out the reishi, chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps. These are really convenient, super potent, standalone drinks that are really easy to make or great add-ons to your bulletproof coffee or other drinks that you might be making at home. And it's just infinitely easier than having to empty hundreds, if not thousands, of herbal capsules into your drinks like I did for about 15 years before these guys came along. So really convenient, super tasty, very potent mushroom and herbal and superfood elixirs from foursigmatic.com. And don't forget to enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout to save that sweet 15% off.